This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Tom Hammer, President of the National Oilseed Processors Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NOPA's Tom Hammer next. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about the biggest challenge facing humanity, feeding a growing population. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about six commitments to make crops more efficient, rescue more farmland, help biodiversity flourish, reach and empower smallholders, help people stay safe, and to look after every worker throughout the entire supply chain network. One Planet, Six Commitments. Learn more at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The domestic oilseed industry is poised for growth both here at home and around the globe. Tom Hammer, president of the National Oilseed Processors Association, admits a competitive relationship with the South American oilseed industry, but also says there are areas where the U.S. has a leg up over the competition. In certain areas, we have significant logistical advantages, such as in Canada and Mexico and in the Caribbean, where we are oftentimes, if not 100% supplier of their needs, pretty close to it. We're also putting assets out in the Pacific Northwest that makes us better uh, able to supply the the growing needs of the Asia-Pacific Rim. And in some cases, we're the most direct logistical supplier into the Mediterranean. So we we have advantages in logistics. We have, at certain times, uh, seasonal advantages over Argentina and Brazil. And we think we have a significant quality and service advantage over them. And I think many of our global customers recognize that. So we're doing very well, and we expect expansion. When I look at the globe and the growth of the middle class, I have to believe that provides an opportunity for the oilseed industry overall. I would have to agree with you, Jeff. The protein business is a very good business to be in. We all know the statistics. Uh, We're expecting another 2.5 to 3 billion people on this planet. Uh, uh, The the growth trajectory for protein would appear to be very, very positive. Of course, these people, as as you know, have to graduate into the middle class. But as soon as they do that, one of the main things they want to do is improve their diet, and a large part of that is in the vegetable oil and in meat consumption. And so I think we're very well positioned to supply those growing demands. We often say, and I think it's dramatic, but it's it's also instructive, that 5% of the consumers of the world are in the United States, and that means 95% lie outside the United States. So global trade is always going to be top of mind for our industry. When we look at this new administration, agriculture has mentioned more than once the need to be aggressive in satisfying global markets. I noted that there are a number of commodity groups that have written letters to the Trump administration and to the respective agriculture committees in Congress saying, A, don't cut farm program spending for the Department of Agriculture, but B, perhaps we need to look at increased spending, A, because of the downturn in farm income, and second of all, over concerns of the Trump trade agenda. I've not heard the president say he doesn't want to trade, but it does appear 
that this new sheriff in town has a different philosophy. Do you do you have insight into what his goals for agriculture and balancing agriculture and the and the manufacturing industry for sales? Well, Jeff, if you had asked this question uh, yesterday morning, I might have said I don't have personal insights. But at the invitation of the Trump administration, primarily Gary Cohn, the director for economic National Economic Council, is lodged inside the White House. Eleven uh, of the national trade organizations in agriculture that that care about trade in grains and oil seeds and fiber were invited to the White House for a discussion on this very subject and. The timing and the tone of that meeting were spot on. We were given an opportunity to set forward some of our concerns from what we were hearing. Uh, We were told by the the group, a very high-level group, that while the Trump administration had noted that they were concerned about trade deficits with a number of our trading partners, and they think that provides them leverage for negotiating better deals with them, They pointed out that in most cases, agriculture, U.S. agriculture, is responsible for a a surplus of trade with almost all of our trading partners because of our competitive advantage that we have over so many of our countries that we trade with in the food and agriculture area. So they told us that they were all about increasing U.S. exports but especially agricultural exports. So that was obviously music to our ears. I think of the news over the past week, uh, Chinese uh, Premier Xi Jinping suggesting that he is coming to the U.S. to meet with the president and also gave uh, thoughts that he would look to expand and to continue trade between the two countries. Obviously, the discussion of the administration toward the renegotiation of the North American Free Trade Agreement. Um, if you look at the trade deficit last year, over half a trillion dollars, of that deficit between China and with Mexico, so you could understand why an administration would want to pay attention to try to balance the trading books, but agriculture doesn't want to be uh, the one who has to fall on the sword to see that happen. Well, and that was the very strong message of NOPA and the other 10 organizations that were were in there, and I I have to tell you, it, it is well understood. Everyone was given a minute or two to talk about their industry, and I said for Mexico... For soybean meal and soybean oil exported out of the United States, Mexico has been and continues to be year-on-year our best customer. Canada, not far behind. It usually ranks about number three. So the North American supply chain between the United States and Canada and Mexico has prospered from our point of view over the last 23 years of the NAFTA. But we also told them that there's lots of areas for improvement, and that our industries are working collectively and individually to provide lists of areas where trade can be um, made better between Mexico and Canada. And they appreciated that. It was an agreement that was negotiated over two decades ago with an e-commerce, uh, biotechnology. Uh, many things were not contemplated then, so... I don't think anybody can look at an agreement that that's old and say there's not room for for improvement. So we we had a very close meeting of the minds on that. Are there some particular areas that you could share, like the biotech and and other pieces that you'd like to see included 
in a renegotiation of NAFTA or two bilateral agreements, as some have suggested? Well, let me just say that with respect to NAFTA and Canada, as you know, they were part of the TPP. So during my opportunity to make a presentation, I said that the uh, NOPA was very much uh, inclined to support the TPP, although not perfect. One of the reasons that we did so is that the while the duties on soybeans, soybean meal, and oil are relatively low in on both sides in the in the Pacific Rim, whether you're an importer or an exporter, uh, there's a lot of opportunities in that area for our meat uh, exports to grow. And also part of the TPP, of which Canada and Mexico uh, were a part, we updated a lot of the things that uh, needed to be updated, and those were biotechnology, uh, opportunity to... Uh, to rapidly respond to uh, phytosanitary and sanitary uh, problems at, at at the port of entry and many other uh, such areas. I won't go on and on, but I said th- these should be considered baselines, uh, both in the Pacific Rim if we're going to go into negotiations with Japan or if we're going to renegotiate, and they're very clear that they plan to send a notice to renegotiate with Mexico and Canada as soon as they can, and that'll give us a 90-day clock. But, uh, yes, there's a lot that can be taken from the TPP and moved into Canada, and moved into, into Mexico, moved into other agreements, but it's also just a starting point. Tom, I would ask, this administration appears to be more set on bilateral negotiations than multilateral. So as we pulled out of the TPP, uh, if you were rating bilateral agreements, who's who's on our hit list first? Two of the ones that we should start with that that you would, or perhaps that you might encourage the administration to start with the soonest. Well, when you when you talk about the TPP, there were you know eleven members other than the United States. We already had uh, bilateral agreements with half of those countries, so that leaves on, only a few countries on the outside. I would say that the uh, uh, Probably the primary uh, uh, initial target would be Japan because it's one of our largest trading partners across the board. It's a it's a partner that we have many uh, geopolitical and, and security uh, relationships with. Um, so and and that was also agreed upon. Uh, we note that Abi's already been here; that he's been invited to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, he's played uh, 18 holes of, of golf, and, and the gentleman in the room that talked to us said, you only need to play one round, one hole of golf with Trump to, to know what his key priorities are, and then he, he reinforces it for the next 17 holes. So I, th- I would have to think that Japan is going to uh, be high on the list. In fact, we were told there are very high-level meetings following the Abi. Trump meeting that are uh, being put in place to move forward in that direction right now. This president also suggested he'd like to make a significant investment in infrastructure up to a trillion dollars. Some have been involved in discussing this with the administration and said they were pleasantly surprised of the uh, administration's awareness of the need in rural America. From an infrastructure standpoint, how do your members see infrastructure investment and, and where would you start spending money first? Well, for NOPA, we transport our products in all modes, and that would be 
truck and barge and rail and of course so they're all important but we're going to be exploring these priorities with our committees in NOPA and I don't have an answer but one of the areas that concerns me is the deterioration of the locks and dams that's so critical to moving uh, soybean and soybean products to export position because a little more than 50% of all the U.S. soybeans in one form or another, be it oil, be it meal, or be it beans, are exported out of this country. And I would expect that percentage to only grow. So I would say ports and locks and dams so that we can keep our competitive edge that we have now but we want to maintain with our competitors in, in South America would have to be very, very high on our list. I listen to the voice of agriculture, and it says that if we're going to satisfy those global markets, we're going to have to get the food out of the breadbasket and to the ships that would take it to the customers. And certainly there's a, a lot of means that, that need to be accomplished there. But can you see for yourself that our infrastructure advantage probably isn't as good as it once was? Well, I just saw a report card that was given on the infrastructure uh, that's given every several years ago, and I think overall it got a D plus or a D minus, and it it points out that the advantages that we have can cannot be expected to be there forever if we don't take care of them. So yes, I think uh, advantages we have now need to be maintained and they need to be perfected because if you don't do a little care and feeding, you can quickly find yourself in a very difficult position. I have no doubt about the farmer's productive capability, both in terms of biotechnology and other advancements and their own agriculture and agronomic advancements. To produce the product we need, we just have to be able that we can move that product. Tom, the administration has suggested regulatory reform, and we have seen some suggestion of that. Are there particular reg- regulations that uh, stand in the face of the oilseed processing industry that you're particularly concerned about and would like to see reform? I'm not quite ready to answer that. We have uh, been spending, during the last eight years under the Obama administration, well over half, perhaps over 60% of our resources in dealing with regulations that have come out of the administration over the last eight years. And a lot of them have, there are good and bad uh, regulations. They're, they're not, uh, they're not sort of de facto bad, but what we want to make sure is that when they put regulations in, they don't, uh, overshoot our capabilities. Uh, We are doing a very good job at our processing and manufacturing plants. And right now, NOPA, working with its membership, is going through a very specific inventory of what regulations we think might be candidates to be changed, to be eliminated, and even those that we think are good for the industry that should be maintained. We are intentional about that effort, but we are certainly not by any means completed with our work in that area. There has been discussion lately of a bioeconomy, of bio-opportunities, whether by fuels or by plastics or by uh, a a whole growth in a new industry. You found a number of products that you're processing from oil seeds now and demand for those products that weren't there several years ago. Do you see opportunity in some of these new uses in a a bioeconomy, if you will? 
Oh, absolutely. I think soybean products and derivatives have been very, very... uh, You find them in paints, you find them in fabrics, you find them as lubricants. Of course, the biofuels is very, very efficient, very clean form. All of this is important because we have had uh, difficulty marketing some of our oil in the frying and baking industry since the Food and Drug Administration has removed our grass status for uh, partially hydrogenated oil. So there's a lot of really good things coming on the horizon that are going to help us uh, move soybean oil. Uh, High oleic oils, which uh, are much like a Mediterranean oil, very, I think the, they're being tested and almost ready to be uh, marketed pending some overseas approvals. And even that product is found not just as a very, very positive ingredient for, for frying and baking, but also as lubricants and in the industrial area, if you will. So I'm very positive and very excited about some of the developments that are coming along in that area. But at the end of the day, 80% of the bean is meal, and the vast majority, 99% of that, goes to feed animals. And while we need to move the oil to keep our margins up, our bread and butter is going to be in the protein area for the foreseeable future. Tom, would you suggest that the National Oilseed Processors Association is more encouraged or perhaps more concerned about a potential rewrite of the renewable fuel standard? I would have to poll the individual members because I think it's kind of up to their uh, how they view things. But I, I know that they all are hopeful that they can live in an area of more certainty around this area. Well, Tom Hammer, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us here on this edition of Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Well, Jeff, first of all, we thank you for giving us the opportunity. We are very, very uh, optimistic about our future. It's The protein business is a great business to be in. Uh, as the economies grow around the world and in the United States, there will be more demand for our products. We're uh, taking steps to be ready for that. I'm aware of uh, several, if not more, soybean processing plants that are being planned to be put into the ground and and operative in the next few years. And I think that's just testimony to the bright future that we see in the oilseed processing business here in the United States. Our thanks to Tom Hammer, president of the National Oilseed Processors Association, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.